Okay, Zerubbabel. It was in the time of Israel and all these people. Now, he's talking about the glory of this house shall be greater than the former one. Hallelujah. The word glory that we use there is the word kabod or doxa. And the word means the beauty of the splendor. Hallelujah. So I want to lay the foundation for us to understand. So he said, the glory of this house shall be greater than the former house. What was he talking about? Number one, he was talking about the beauty. You see, the temple was adorned with precious stones. I, I, you read the book of Acts chapter number three, amen? In the book of Acts chapter number three, they say Peter healed a man at a gate called Beautiful. Now, the reason why it was called Beautiful was because of the gold. It was laid of gold. It was not just a name. Hallelujah. So because of that layout, they call it Beautiful Gate, or a gate beautiful. So when God said that the glory of this house shall be greater than the former one, the first explanation that God is saying is that this temple will be more beautiful than the former one. Hallelujah. He was talking about this temple will be more beautiful. And now, how many people have read uh, the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter number 60, where he says, Arise and, 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 and shine, for your glory has come. Amen? And he said, let me read it so that we can all be on the same, uh, Hallelujah. I get excited when I teach because that's what I do. So if I get excited, don't worry. Hallelujah. Strangely enough, all my brothers are teachers. They say you are the only one that didn't become a teacher. I say I am one. We, in my family, we have all kinds of teachers, from university teacher to primary school teacher. They're all there. Hallelujah. It's now that some are coming up to be lawyers and stuff and all this stuff. We're passionate about teaching. Hallelujah. So let's read Isaiah 60. No, that was just a smaller thing for you to understand where I'm coming from. I'm coming from a line of teachers, family of teachers. Hallelujah. So let me go quickly to Isaiah chapter number 16. I will explain to you something there. That will help you a great deal. Before even we talk about all this stuff we are talking about. It says, arise, arise, shine. Now, there is a mistake that we always make when we quote that scripture. We say, arise and shine. There is no end. You know, that's that, that how we read scripture. We read scripture with a picture that is not there. It doesn't say, arise and shine. It says, arise, shine. Okay. I don't want to teach on that. There is, I can do a teaching on the small end that is there, but we don't go there. And he said, for your light has come. For your light has come. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And he said, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. He said, behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people but the law will arise over you, and, the and his glory shall be seen upon you, and the Gentiles shall come to your light, and the king to the brightness of your arising. Oh, hallelujah. This is a very interesting scripture. Do you understand that what Isaiah is talking about here is not spiritual stuff. 
Hallelujah. What Isaiah is talking about here is not necessarily spiritual stuff. Isaiah is talking about a reality that can be perceived by those who even don't know, know God. Hallelujah. He said, the Gentiles, read it, he said, he said, the Gentiles shall come to your lights. And he said, the king shall come to your, and, and, and the king, the brightness of your rising. So, Isaiah is not necessarily talking about spiritual stuff here. He talks about stuff that can be discerned by even those who don't know God. Hallelujah. Arise, shine for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. So the glory Isaiah is talking about, the glory is the one that gives the light. Because your light has come, and the glory has risen upon you. So Isaiah is talking about a dimension of glory that will arise upon the people of Israel, that will draw even those who don't know God. Now, there is one instant, instant in the life of the people of Israel where the glory of a king attracted the queen of Sheba. And the glory that attracted the queen of Sheba was the wealth and the wisdom. Hallelujah. So whenever God talks about glory, he's not talking about necessarily a mystical thing or a cloud. No, we're going to go to the cloud because that's where we're going to. But when the idea of glory, the Bible says the strength of a young man is his glory. So glory is what beautifies you and gives you value. Hallelujah. So, so the Gentile will perceive it. It means that even if they don't have discernment, they will see it. It doesn't say they will feel it. It says they will see it. Hallelujah. I'm talking about the case of Israel here now. So it says the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. Like I say, he was not necessarily talking about a spiritual stuff. He was talking about the beauty, the splendor of that house. The material that will be used to build that house will be better than the previous one. Hallelujah. So, it's like God is saying, maybe first time you use wood to build your house. And you say, the next time you are not using wood anymore, now you are using, let's say, gold. Then you say, the glory of this one is bigger than the glory of the former one. Hallelujah. But we are talking about the house of the Lord. Somebody say the house of the Lord. Now, you need to understand that in the life of Israel, there have been two temples. Two. Two temples. The first temple was built by Solomon, King Solomon, in 957 BC. Solomon built that temple. Hallelujah. And you know, the temple was destroyed in 500. 86, by the Babylonians. When the Babylonians came, and the reason why the Babylonians came is because Israel walked away from God. And God gave them over. Because Israel decided to go into idolatry. 
And in those days, Babylon was the capital of the idol worshippers. So like my pastor Ray said to us, he said, then God told them, if it's what you like, I'm going to send you to where the capital is. <laughs> so God allowed them to be captured and go to Babylon. Let me stop here. That God will give you over to what you like. Yes. Because from your heart comes the issues of life. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I don't know why the women are after me. You like it. That's why they're after you. Don't you know that your heart attacks things? I don't know why these guys are after me. You like it. You know, you know, you won't tell us, but your heart likes it. So you are given over to the desires of your heart. Can you say amen? So, guess what? If you like the anointing, guess what will come after you? When you like the presence of God, what comes after you? Listen, you read the Psalm 23, but you don't understand. He said, I will dwell in your house, and that's where my delight is. Then goodness and mercy shall come after me. So when, when I make you my delight, goodness and mercy haunt me down. So that's what the Psalm 23, the conclusion is telling you, that wherever you put your delight, these are the things you attract. Hallelujah. That's why I told you poor people remain poor. Because they are chasing after money, and money runs away when you chase after money. That's why God came, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added because those things will only follow those who follow the right thing. Yes. 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 I said to the young ladies, if you want to get married, stop being obsessed about marriage. It will run away from you. It will run away from you because... You, 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 you too much. You have not two prayer requests on your book. When's the last prayer for the church? You will end up praying for your own marriage. It has nothing to do with that, but you just go Because that's where you are attracted to. So the reason why Israel went to slavery was that. So the temple was destroyed in 586. Then, there was a second temple. Amen? A second temple that was built in 515. Hallelujah. That's the temple we are talking about. That was built by the people of that time. When God said to Zerubbabel that, have you seen, consider the mountain is nothing before Zerubbabel? And you guys like to say, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God. You like that scripture? Uh, he's talking to Zerubbabel about what he's going to do if he delights himself in the Lord. And he was saying to Zerubbabel that, don't worry, because I'll be involved into this. Hallelujah. Now, that temple 
that temple was later on desecrated, defiled. Amen? It was defiled by a man called uh, Antiochus Epaphanes. Antiochus Epaphanes is a picture of the Antichrist. He desecrated the temple and allowed the Hellenistic priest, Hellenist priest to come. And what do they do? They offer pigs on the altar. They desecrated the temple. Hallelujah. So the temple lies there dormant. And later on, that temple was restored by the person we call Herod, Herod the Great. I'm just giving you history. Now, Herod the Great bought, came, didn't build the temple, renovated it. So in the time of Jesus, the temple was known as the temple of Herod the Great. Because the touch of God has gone out of the temple. It was a human made now. Because the temple that, Zerubbabel, that, that Ezra consecrated to the Lord is not the same altar. Because that altar was already destroyed. And then Herod came and put things together and put it there. And that temple was destroyed in 70 AD. You know the story of the 70 AD? It was a temple of Herod that was destroyed there. You know, Jesus was going, if you read Matthew chapter number 24, the Bible said Jesus said to the disciples that there won't be any stone upon another one here. When Jesus was talking about the end of the days, he was talking about the temple of Herod the Great. And that temple was destroyed. Now, after Herod the Great, and the temple was destroyed by the Romans, the Roman Empire was destroyed, there was some Jews that tried to resist Rome and build the temple. And they failed. So when they failed, they were driven away completely. They were driven away because Herod uh, the Great restored the temple in the year 20 BC. So they were chased out of Rome, so, uh, out of Jerusalem. So Jerusalem became a no man land ruled just by the, by the Romans. And later on, that is very interesting. Later on, the Romans lost kind of control, although they were still there. And then one of the emperor, Roman emperors that was a bit compassionate towards the Jews told them they can build a temple. And they started to build. And in the year 363, there was an earthquake in Galilee that shook the whole area and broke the temple. So that's why they couldn't build the temple. Do you understand? It was a word from the Lord saying, stop. So they broke, the temple was destroyed. Again, the, what they were trying to do, stopped. Hallelujah. Now, so because it was there, there was conquest over Jerusalem throughout the years. Conquest throughout the years of Jerusalem. And something happened. Something happened. I want to give you exactly... Not to just say something that, yes. In the, in the uh, seventh century after Jesus, the Muslim captured Jerusalem. Amen? For those who want to know the Palestinian history, 
Jerusalem was never a center for Arabs. Jerusalem is solely for the Jews. And they were driven away. And then, in the seventh century after Jesus, the Muslim captured the Temple Mount. Amen? And the caliph, his name was Abdallah, Caliph Abdallah. He ordered the building of the Dome of the Rock. So that Dome of the Rock is still there. He's standing, the Dome of the Rock is exactly standing in the outer court, in the courtyards of the temple. Amen? Do you understand a bit? So, without being political, according to you, who has right of ownership on that land? No, we are being political. Because this thing came in the seventh century after Jesus Christ. But the Jews have been there for thousands of years. And they were just driven out by the Romans. And uh, then the Caliph Abdallah came and took control of a place. And they ordered that they built a temple in the courtyard where the temple was, a, a shrine where the temple was supposed to be. Have you realized that no, no serious Muslim goes on that mosque yearly as a pilgrim? Have you realized they all go to Mecca? They don't go to Jerusalem. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I know some people are going to bash me on the internet now because they don't like this. You see, but we have to tell the truth. We have to tell the thing the way they are. Amen? Amen? I have to tell the thing the way they are. And if somebody wants to argue, he must just go read history books. This is not a revelation. He can just go read about it. And he will find the same thing because I didn't write it. Hallelujah. It's not something I wrote. Hallelujah. Because every country that was occupied by people that came and took the land, later on the people of the land claimed back the land. Because they say we are here first. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. So why is this principle cannot be respected elsewhere? <laughs> Before you bash me, you study history. Because some of you are claiming land because you had it first. Same way Jews also had it first. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So uh, don't, 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 don't miss me. I'm talking about the glory. I will get there. <laughs> I'm just laying the foundation for you to understand because, you know, what I don't like with Christian is that sometimes we preach about glory, glory, but we don't even know where it comes from. And then we don't know what to do with it. Hallelujah. But if you understand why God says the glory of the former of the latter shall be greater than the latter, and you need to understand what is the history of our temple. Now, if I want to take you back now, do you understand that building of a temple was never God's idea? No. The building of a temple was David's idea. It was not God's idea. God has one idea, the building of tabernacle made by tents. 
God never instructed the people of Israel to build him a temple. The first man God talked to about a dwelling place was called Moses. And God said, you're going to build me a tabernacle. Come on, come on now, come on now. Hallelujah. I say, come on now. Let's read 2 Samuel chapter number 7, verse 1 to 2. 2 Samuel chapter number 7, verse 1 to 2. Are you learning something? Okay. Now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in the house and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around. Let's go on. That the king said to Nathan the prophet, See, now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tents, curtains. Look at how he despised it. Because God was the one that said, put me under a tent. Then he said, then Nephilim said to the king, go and do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Now, stop it there. Okay. But it happened, it's fine, go back to four. But it happened that that night, the word of the Lord came to Nephilim saying, go and tell my servant David, that says the Lord, would you build a house for me and dwell in it? Let's go verse six. For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I, that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day. But I've moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Wherever I, I have moved about with all the children of Israel, I have, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribe of, of, is, of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my People Israel saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Let's go. Therefore, that says the Lord to my servant David, that says the Lord of hosts, I took you, hey, I took you from the sheep, from following the sheep to be ruler of my people over Israel. No, let's, let's leave it there. Now, God is making a history, he's reminding David. Because now David, you know, Christian, you know how you want to do things for God without God telling you to do them? You know when you get excited, you want to do for God. And God said to David, hey, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a bit. Let me give you a history lesson. Did I ever told you guys that I'm frustrated because I'm under a tent? Did I ask any one of you to build me a house? He said, okay, by the way, you were a shepherd behind the sheep. That's where I took you. You are nothing of these ones. I took you behind the ship where you were nothing. And now you have the audacity to come and criticize my dwelling place. And, and God was not rebuking David because the intentions were not right. No, he was rebuking David because he didn't ask him to do that. So he went on, by the way, he said, you will not do that. Actually, your hands are too full of blood. It's your son, Solomon, that will build the temple. Hallelujah. So you need to understand that that's why I want to take you from the law. Because the law makes you want to do things for God without waiting on God. You jump here, you jump there like a goat. Jump, 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 jump. And you think you are very busy. Listen, I learned something from my elder brother. 
time we were talking, he said, my, he told me, young brother, hear me. It's not everything that works that is good. Yes, it's not because you have results that God is in it. Because people that don't know God still get results. No, result is not the proof that God is in something. What is the proof that God is in something is the original word you receive before you go. So when he spoke to you, if you see it or you don't see it, you still continue. Because you are not bound by what you see, you are bound by what God has said. So people, we are a, 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 a society driven by results. That's why people come, my marriage is not working, I want to get out. Because they think they got into a marriage for it to work. Who told you? No. A thousand times, no. That's your problem. Because you get into something expecting for it to work, and if it seems not to work, you check out of it. But my question is, before you got in, who told you what? Before you start to do what you are doing, did God speak to you? If the answer is yes, then you are not checking about working or not. You're checking about God. <laughs> hey. Hey. I say, hey. I can walk you through the Bible. And people did things that seemed not to work, and they carried on because God was in it. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. You all talk about Joseph. His life seemed not to work. Now, let's leave Joseph, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul. This is a man that was called by revelation, a vision. He came to the gospel. His life was full of beating and, and assaulting and all this stuff. That thing was not working in the natural. But the Apostle said, I have finished the race. I have been faithful. And now the crown of glory is awaiting for me. So he didn't put his eyes on what he was going through because he knew what God had said. But your problem is that you are too focused on the process. So you even give up before God can start to do something. Uh, I hope I'm talking to somebody. So David, God said to David, you, you were a shepherd. Yes. And I took you out. And now, now you are a great man in your eyes. So now you want to make me a house. Like if I need a house. Hallelujah. Can God that took David out build a house for himself? He does not need help. And understand me, David's intentions were not wrong. But he, he was out of protocol. Because he never asked God, why are you in a tent? <laughs> he decided that the tent is not good for God. And he never asked God, why are you in the tent? You see, <laughs> you see, one man tried to help God and he died. You know his name? Huh? Uza or Uzi. Uza. Now, this man 
David went to fetch the ark. And they put the ark on carts. On bulls. First mistake. You know, David, he learned later on. But sometimes he didn't inquire of the Lord. He did the right thing with the, the wrong way. Now, <laughs> so, it's not, it's, not the, it's not the right thing. You must do it the right way. And the right way you can't do it if you are not inquiring of the Lord. So David wanted to bring the ark back, which was amazing. But he never asked God how. So he decided, let's put it on bulls. And the glory of God was not transported by animals, but by priests. So he put the glory of God on animals. Of course they don't know how to walk with the glory. So one stumbles, and the ark was falling, and Uzi or Uzziah or U, U, <laughs> call him, reach out to catch the ark, good intention, and the Lord strike him. You know what God was telling him? Don't ever try to help me. If you see me falling, fall with me. I'm not an idol that you can help. If I'm on the ground, lie on the ground with me. If I'm standing, stand with I don't need a man to help me do what I want to do. And he died. And David was very frustrated. And he put the ark in the house of Obed-Edom, which was a priest. And Obed-Edom knew how to entertain what we call the glory. I said, I'm preaching about I'll get there. You will see. <laughs> if I don't lay this foundation, you won't understand me. So he said, I'll get there. So, so Ebed Edom was entertaining the ark in the priestly way. And Ebed Edom started to prosper. Now, prosperity is not something that God doesn't want to give you, but there is a way to entertain prosperity. And when he started to entertain it, everything did, he did prosper. And they told David. And this time David learned. He came with priests. Yes. And he came singing. The ark was in the hands of priests. And that's how the ark entered Jerusalem. The glory of the Lord does not come because we want it. It comes because we do it the way God wants us to do it. Hallelujah. Now, if David had asked God, why are you intent? God would have told him. God would have told him. Because when God spoke to Moses, let me find the right scripture for us to understand what I'm saying. When God spoke to Moses in the book of Exodus chapter number 25, can we read Exodus 25 from 8 to 9? Exodus 25, 8 to 9. It says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them mm -hmm, according to all that I show you. Okay? So a temple should be built according to what God said. Okay? That is the pattern of a tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnitures just so you 
shall make it. Are we at verse 9 or have we passed it already? Okay. God said to Moses, I want to show you to make me a dwelling place, but make it according to me. Number one. The second principle that David failed to understand is that the tabernacle was a moving tabernacle. It was not a fixed structure. And you cannot confine God. You cannot put God in tradition. Yes. Yes. You know what we do? Last Sunday we sang a song and the glory came. And this Sunday we sing it again. And there is nothing. And we think, where is God? God is not bound by your tradition. That's why some of you don't like church like this one because we are not seeing amazing grace that we were born again with. Because you have connected your, your relationship with God with a certain song. And God is not dwelling in songs. God is delighting in the heart of a singer, not in the song. So, 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 David said, I want to, I want to make you stuck. <laughs> Remember, in this same temple, the woman said to, listen, in John 4, the woman accused Jesus. See, you Jews say, we must go to Jerusalem to worship because that's where the temple is. And what was the answer of Jesus? He said, the time is coming where you don't need to go to Jerusalem. Because the time is coming where those who worship God shall worship him in the spirit. It means God says the time is coming where it will not be a location, but it will be a position. He said in the spirit, that a position, that not a location. In the spirit and in the truth. For these are the worshiper God seeks. So people that have their own way of boxing God. Hallelujah. It must be on the organ. Then God is there. So we must worship a certain way. Then God is there. I love worship and God moves in worship. But some of my powerful meetings, there was no worship. I didn't go with a team. I walked there and God moved like never before. Because God is showing you that you think you can box him. I was in a church where when there is no keyboard, the worshipers are sitting I said, you, you guys are lost. You have confined yourself into a keyboard. Hmm. 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 Some people even judge themselves by the size of a keyboard. You say, how's your ministry? Yo, we bought it by a big keyboard. Ah, we didn't ask about keyboard. We say, how's your ministry? Because <laughs> the bigger the keyboard, the better the ministry is doing. Hallelujah. Now, this is a truth about the tabernacle. If you study in the book of Numbers, let me see 
if I can give you scriptures. In Numbers chapter number 9, from verse 15 to 23, I don't know, let's read it. Uh, I've, I have 15 minutes and then I might carry on tomorrow. I will carry on. Now, on the day that the tabernacle was raised up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of testimony. From evening until morning, it was about the tabernacle like the appearance of fire. So it was always a cloud covered it by day and appearance of fire by night, like when we were coming out of Egypt. Whenever the cloud was taken up from the, above the tabernacle, after that, the children of Israel would journey. 18. And in the place where the cloud was set, there the children of Israel would pitch their tent. Stop there. Now, this is something amazing. The glory that came out with Israel continued to follow them. But then the glory came and rest on the tent. Amen. So what David didn't understand is that the tent was a setup for direction. So God dwell on the tent when he wants them to stay in a place, the glory sits on the tent. If the glory sits for a year, they stay there for a year. When it moves, they move. It means that when you are a servant of God, you cannot be stuck because you move as God moves. Listen, this thing we are talking about glory here is not for you to fall and laugh. Yes, because whenever we talk about the glory, people think, ha, ha, ha. No, no, you listen, listen. There is more than laughing. The glory, the glory is, is uh, the, the, the cabot, is uh, the presence, the manifested presence of God in a place. But when God manifests himself in a place, he does not manifest so that we can fall. He manifests so that we can achieve. Yes. Yes. Hey. He didn't say, you shall, I shall come and you shall fall. He said, you shall be my disciples. So, hear my heart. I have nothing against the falling. Because in my ministry, people fall. But let's not make it about the falling. Let's make it about what makes you fall. The glory. So, so the tabernacle, mm-hmm. the tabernacle was God's idea of being mobile. Yes. 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 Okay. When you read the Bible, the history of the Bible, have you ever read and they say, and the tabernacle was destroyed? But the temple were destroyed many times. <laughs> what God instructed them to build, never in history, we don't even know where it was. We don't know if they packed it in the temple, wherever the Bible does not mention. There's a mystery around it because it was God's idea. But what men decide to do is expose. Every time they come, they bump into it. So it doesn't matter, your best is still your worst in God's presence. Hallelujah. So, so the tabernacle was given and then God gave the instruction. Hallelujah. The instruction to build it. Did he accept the temple? Yes, he did. He even gave them instruction how they should build the altar 
and how they should present the staff. Uh, the, the, the staff. He gave them instruction. Did he accept? Yes. He did. But was it his best? No. No, that was not God's best. Hallelujah. I said, that was not God's best. Say, it was not God's best. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, when Solomon finished to build the first temple, I told you, I told you that the first temple was built in the year 957, 957 BC. And when Solomon finished to build that temple, look at what happened. Let's read 2 Chronicles chapter number 7, verse 1, 2, 3. 2 Chronicles chapter number 7, verse 1 to 3. He said, when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifice. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So when Solomon finished to build the temple, one of the things he did, he dedicated the temple to the Lord. Hallelujah. He dedicated the temple to the Lord. Because Solomon understood that we can build this thing. But if God is not in it, it's nothing. What did he do by dedicating? He offered sacrifices. Hallelujah. He killed animals. He offered them on the altar for God. And they say when he offered a sacrifice, fire came down. Listen, listen, listen. The fire of God only comes on dead animals. Those, those animals that was on the altar there, were they dead or not? Were they alive on the altar? Okay. You look, we love the story of Elijah and Elisha uh, and the prophet of Baal. You know, you know, you know. The bull that Elijah placed on the altar, was he alive? He cut it. Hallelujah. Every time God has to move, he moved upon a dead thing. Ha! The valley of the dry bones. Ha! Were those bones alive? And God moved there. What is the picture? What is the picture of that? There is a principle in the kingdom that attracts the glory more than anything else is death to self. When you are alive, fire will not come down. It will be too painful. But when you are dead to self, you can be consumed by the fire. The reason why the church does not move in the glory is that we are too much alive to ourselves. We are so much alive that our flesh responds to anything that passes by. You know, I had a dream one time and God showed me something. We went to bury a dead man. This story my wife knows and some of you know. We went to bury a dead man and we went there it was a vivid dream. I said, whoa, is that the spirit of death? God said, shut up. Because you are too taught about those spirits. So we went to bury that person. And when we lowered the coffin, the coffin popped open. 
And this guy came out. He was naked. Came out, and we started to chase him. Climbing the walls. We want to go and bury him. Because as far as we are concerned in the dream, you were supposed to be dead. So we're chasing him to go, and, and we couldn't catch him. And when I woke up, I said, Lord, this is a weird dream. Why do you want to bury him? He said, that's what you are doing. The people of the church never went through a process of death to self. And then you want them to receive my glory. You are chasing them, but they are running away. You are full of, full, he said people are full of offense, full of unforgiveness, full of lust, and they want the fire to come. He said that fire will destroy them. Because Hebrews 12, 29 says God is a consuming fire. Whenever they are dead for sacrifice, fire comes down. That's what Elijah understood. They all say at the time of the sacrifice. Remember in the Bible, God moved a lot at the time of sacrifice. Because sacrifice deals with death. Hallelujah. Well, some of us, we are too strong in our own selves. Yes. Yes. When we say, God loves you. If he loves me, why my life is like that? You are too strong. You can't accept the truth because of your personal experiences. Lay down your personal experiences and say, God, if you say so, I believe it. It means you are a dead man talking a, a, talking a language of people that don't care for themselves anymore. They care only for God. Hallelujah. So, you understand that uh, whenever there was a sacrifice, the glory of God moved. Hallelujah. The temple was dedicated and fire came. Mm. Hallelujah. So, if the glory is a manifest Shekinah, the presence of God, the beauty of God. And God has taught us that he does not want a fixed structure, but he wants a movable structure. So throughout history, God was looking for a place to dwell. Yeah, yeah. When God made men, his idea is to find a house in which he would dwell. Hallelujah. Look at the glory of God, what God, the glory achieved. God was called the glory of Israel. And Israel, when they walked with God in a certain way, they never lost a battle. The, 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 tabernacle, the ark was called the glory of God. When they, whenever the ark was present, the enemies were confused. Hallelujah. And look at what God is doing. God wants to manifest. When God talks about the glory of the latter, shall be greater than the former. Can I tell you that beyond the temple, he was talking about something else. He was talking about the Adamic and the Christ. He was talking about the old 
covenant and the new covenant. So God was using symbolism to attract us to himself so that he can show us what he meant. So when God created the first Adam, the first Adam came with glory. It means he, he, was, he, was, he was the expression of the beauty of God. And later on, God said, I'm bringing a better version. <laughs> God said, I'm bringing a better version. Because I want a, move, a temple that moves. I have created one, but I want a better version. And here comes Jesus. I say, here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus. He said that sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but you have made me a body. And I come as a living sacrifice. Jesus came. Hallelujah. Dwelt in a tent. Uh, and he offered himself. Hallelujah. So that a more glorious tent may be created. Ha! Remember, wherever there is sacrifice, fire comes. And the fire talks about the glory. Hmm. Let me take you to the book of Acts chapter number 2. Let's read Acts chapter number 2, verse 1 to 2. Let's read. Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a um, rushing mighty wind and filled the whole house where they were, sit they were seated. Let's go to the following verse. Then appeared, there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and sat on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance too. Now, remember, fire comes after sacrifice. Fire comes after sacrifice. But a sacrifice was already made. Jesus. So when Jesus made the sacrifice, the fire has to come on the temple. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. Read from verse 18 to 19. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. It's a flee for, from sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside of his body, but he who commits sexual immorality, let's go, sin against his own body. Now, let's go to verse... Or do you not know that your body is a... I can't tell you. So where did the fire come? On the temple. And who is that temple? Ah. He said, don't you know that your body is a temple? So the sacrifice of Jesus was made for this temple. So when the sacrifice was accepted, the temple caught fire. Ah. So now the glory of God dwells in a new temple. And I'm looking at a lot of temples tonight. I'm looking at a lot of temples tonight. So all this that God did in the Old Testament was pointing out to you. He was dreaming of a day where again the temple will be movable. And you will be able to rest on that temple and move with the temple. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Ooh. 
If you understand that, you realize what Paul was saying in Romans 8, 11. He said, if the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it shall vitalize your mortal bodies. You are full of the glory of God. Hallelujah. Ay, 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 ay. So all this time, David missed it. He thought God was looking for a house made by men. He didn't know God was planning for a house not made by hands of men, but made by God. Hey. So the sacrifice was made. The same way. And look, look at what in uh, uh, Second Chronicles 7, the, the scripture we read. Let me, let, let's go. I want to find something and tell you the reason why you shouldn't think that Lord help us. Say Lord help us. I'm praying and I'm I'm concluding for the day because I I, I can be too excited and I will take you too long. It's not good. It's not good. Ah, Let me find the place I was looking for because it's not good that I take you. Second Chronicles chapter number 7. You see that? Ooh. Hmm. Let me see where, where the fire came. Oh, Oh, let's read from verse 12. Second Chronicle chapter number seven. We'll read from verse 12. One, two, three. Let's read it together. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayers and I have chosen this place. Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. Do do, do you know that God said, I have chosen what? God said, I have chosen? He said, I have... Now, before we carry on, go to Ephesians chapter number one. Go to Ephesians chapter number one. We're going to read from this one. Keep it next near you. We're going there now. But go to Ephesians chapter number one. Ephesians chapter number one. I want us to start to read uh, from verse four. Just as, just as he, now what is Second Chronicles 7 say that 12? He say, I have, and Ephesians say, I have. No, listen to what God said when he chooses you. Let's go back to Second Chronicles chapter number 7 from verse 12. Let's go there. You're going to read what God says when he chooses you. When he chooses a place. Let's go. Ooh, I like the scriptures. Okay. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon, let read, by night, and said, I have heard your, let's read together, I have heard your prayers, and I have chosen this place. Let's go, verse 13. For myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heavens, and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people, <laughs> who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face 
and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear them from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Let's carry on. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer made on this place. And you have a place. So God is saying, his ears are open to the prayer made on this. Oh my God, so shut up. So how dare you say, God does not listen to my prayers. When he said, he vowed that in this place, he said, the reason why I will listen is because the prayers are made in this place. So when the prayer are made in this place, let's carry on. It says, for now, I have chosen and sanctified this house. Haven't you read also, don't go there, but Ephesians chapter number one, verse seven, say we are sanctified by the blood. So he said, now I have sanctified this house, that my name will be therefore. So where is the name of the Lord now? The name of the Lord is on you. You walk around with the name of the Lord written all over you. He said, now my name shall be on this place forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually because the heart of God is with you. I don't care what I'm saying. Not only the heart is, but the reason why his heart is with you because you carry his glory. You carry his beauty. You carry his presence. And he's jealous of his presence. Let's carry on. And he said, as for you, if you walk before me, as your father David walked, and do according to all I have commanded, you, and if you keep my status and my judgment, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom. Let's stop there. He finished to talk about the house. Now he turned to Solomon and said, as for you. So he's more committed to the house than Solomon. He's more committed to his house than to Solomon. That's why the Bible says, Jesus said to the, the people, he said, your prophet sought to know this day, but they couldn't see it. Because there is better than Abraham here. So, God cares more about his temple. And now you have a temple. How dare you think God has left you or forsaken you when you say, I take care of my temple, my eyes are there. And every prayer that is made on that place, I hear. So God is saying now, when you open your mouth and you start to pray, he said, believe that you have received and you shall have it. Why? Because you are praying from the right place. Ah, you are praying from the, right, from the right position and from the right place. I'm praying that the Lord may bless you tonight. Now when you go home, your prayer life may completely change. That you are saying, Lord, I'm praying from the right, from the right place. Hey, hey, hey. I'm praying from the right place. I'm praying from the right place. Your ears and your eyes are forever open on this place. Hey, hey, hey. I say, hey. Hey. Look at, look at how we talked about the temple. 
And when he finished, he said, but you, as for you, just walk according to what I told you. But for my temple, my eyes will be perpetually there. Finished. So from the Old Testament until now, God was craving for a temple that is not made out of the hands of man, but out of his own hands. And he has found one, which is you. And that's why he has decided to vest all his integrity in you. Back you with his integrity. He said, if you believe, nothing shall be impossible to you. If you believe. I'm going to stop here tonight. And tomorrow I'm going to talk to you about the outcome of that glory in your life. Ha, yeah, 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 yeah. So, people preach to you about the glory. But I didn't want to come here and just talk to you about glory, glory, glory. I want to explain to you where we come from. And now when you understand, you move without apology. No, you don't, no, no, you don't, don't, don't apologize anymore. Some people even beg Satan before they cast him out. Satan, please. Please. No, please. Between us, please. They say, that demon is so powerful. What? No. No. Demons are only powerful when God is not there. Amen. Amen. Do you know that your daughter is a more powerful person in the house when you are not there? Ah, when you are not there, she can take the remote and do whatever she wants with. Huh? She can even go into your cupboard, just take your temple. You are not there. But when you step into the house, she has to keep her order. The reason why Satan is so going around because Christians don't understand who they are. The moment, listen, the moment they step into identity, Satan will have to just go in the corner because he knows that now those who understand has come. And now they know that with one word they can cast him out. So Satan is powerful when we are not there. When we are there, he's not. Hallelujah. Can we give a big hand to our Lord? Thank you, Jesus. I say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. May God bless you. Can we all stand? Hmm. Woo. Lift up your hands. Say, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your sacrifice. That has made me capable of walking in your glory. And in your nature. In the name of Jesus. I receive grace today. I confess. That you hear my prayers. Because my prayers are made on the right, at the right place. In the name of Jesus. I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. The glory of God dwells in me. I walk with Shekinah glory. The power of God is at home in me. In the name of Jesus. I am that latter temple that God is talking about. And the glory of this temple is greater than the Adamic seed. In the name of Jesus, I walk with integrity. In the name of Jesus, the flesh 
shall, no ha shall have no power over me. In the name of Jesus, I refuse to respond to the flesh. In the name of Jesus, I will follow the voice of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, I am a success. In Jesus' name, sickness has no right in my body. When it comes, I'll kick it out. In the name of Jesus, the grace of the Lord is upon me. And I'll receive tonight everything God has for me. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. And uh, don't fail to come tomorrow and uh, bring along people so that we can finish with the glory. Hallelujah. God bless you.